Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Rosa, and with me to celebrate the joyous nonsense of Tottenham Hotspur are Billy, Sam, and Tom. We're back, and apparently our mad hoodoo over Manchester City never went away. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I had serious, serious fear about this one. But for some reason, we're still the bogey team for the best manager in the world. Can anyone explain it? Billy, can you give it a go? Nah, I think it's like... The most Spurs energy thing that ever happened to anyone is that we are the bogey team for Man City. Um, it's just it, it's just the most Tottenham thing that ever happened, I think. And uh, yeah, well, it's been like six or seven years in a row now. We've done some madness against them in some way or another. Yeah, long may it continue, man. I didn't realise, but we scored, like even when we don't win there, there's like a mental amount of goals. But like they don't <laughs> score at ours. They've never scored at our stadium. <laughs> um, I think we've won three out of four games against them in the league. In our last four, which is mental. I think we're the only team that's ever done the double over Pep in the league in the history of his in the history of um, his management, and we're the only team that's finished above Pep and not won the league as well. Yeah, that's uh, my favourite saddest fact. Yeah, this is a, the most Tottenham thing about all of it is that nothing being their bogey team has actually not really meant anything for us. But still, we'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it. That's it. Give that honestly, like that's the trophy to me. Yeah. And you know that Pep fucking hates it as well. That's that's a good thing. But like the one thing that he's, he's probably the best manager in the history of the game. And the only thing he can't understand is Tottenham Hotspur, which is pretty <laughs> I can't remember who it was who said it on like one of the sort of many pods I was listening to in the run-ups is, which is like the only way we have a chance. And this is actually sort of how, it's kind of how we've done it anyway, but like obviously because we weren't going to play, you know, we weren't going to like sit deep and low block and absorb all the pressure or whatever. The only way to like get something out of that game would be if it descended into sort of chaos because Pep and City love having control and when they don't have control, they go sort of to pieces and that is that basically is what happened, right? Sam, you were there. I was there. I was one of the uh, 3,000 odd that, that travelled up in the snow train strikes six hours door to door um, i was honestly i was praying for like the weather to call it off but then ollie reminded me that if that game got called off then romero would not have been back for west ham so is that your first time at the Etihad, sam that was my first time at the Etihad. Yeah, man, isn't it? um, such good, it's a good little away tier it's like <laughs> double tier man. good little away it's good game. But, well, i've seen some limbs at that ground that stadium yeah. i'm i'm sure well it, it absolutely has um uh, what it does annoy me though, how they split you between three tiers because, like, yeah, we had mates really cool. that were on all levels and, like, they don't let you sort of, um, sort of mix, uh, in the concourse. Once you're in your level, you're in your level, which is is kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, some people just try and literally jump down there. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> my, my mate, my mate MJ nearly fell down. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I think he's got a broken rib today from uh, from the limbs after the first goal. Um, but if you watch yeah. the Kuliseski goal as well, someone literally falls across the barrier onto the pitch and then gets escorted out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, <laughs> worth it. <laughs> he's tweeted it today because apparently he fell onto the pitch, then he ran over to the city fans. <laughs> Sometimes no, just, people, you, yeah, you just got to have your moment. Um, Tom, did you, you, like, I'm just going to make a confession here, actually, because I was too, I was quite scared 
obviously of this game and I watched like the beginning of it on Ollie's phone as we were um coming home with the kids from this like free Christmas disco down the road from us and we got in and then it was like oh we're busy and we're doing we're making tea and all the rest of it and then I was like, do you know what? If you want, you can just go to the pub and watch it. But then I was like, actually, I'm going to watch it. But like the kids are taking over the telly. So I ended up watching most of it on my phone. <laughs> so loads of it is just like a blur to me. I, well, I had a very similar disjointed watch of it. Sort of, I was pretending I just wasn't going to watch at all. To mm-hmm. be honest, and my mate texted me. Mates were texting me on Saturday going, what, where are you watching the game? Should we go to the pub? And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not watching the game, mate. Um, and then uh, we were sort of busy doing family things. We went and got the tree, Christmas tree from home base. Um, and then I got home and while I, then I rushed up in the loft to kind of get the decorations out before kickoff. The kids in that time, I was like, just stay still kids. Don't start smashing. <laughs> that works. They, no, they, <laughs> they were watching TV in the room where we were going to put the tree. So I watched the first bit on my phone and I was like, right, get off the TV, put the TV on. But I was also trying to do the tree, put the baubles on, stop the kids smashing loads of baubles whilst I was watching. So the game felt extra chaotic because I had my wife and both kids buzzing around me and I was trying to kind of be in the festive spirit and not spoil the really gorgeous family moment of... Uh, putting the Christmas tree up and doing the decorations, but was also like, fucking hell, we've scored. Have you seen we've scored? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I, ha- I watched it back on um, Match of the Day this morning, on Monday morning. Um, and, yeah, it actually was as chaotic as, as yeah. I thought it was, even without baubles smashing all around me from my toddler. I think one of my favourite things as a football fan is when you try and, like, pretend all week that you're not even going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, because you literally not, said that, yeah, Bill. You were like, "I'm not watching." I'm not watching. It. I'm not. I'm not. You know, this game. I'm not even going to watch. I'm not even going to bother watching it. <laughs> it's like five minutes before kickoff. You're like, oh, "I'll just watch the the kickoff just to see who's playing that." And then, like, two minutes in, you're like, "Oh, fucking, I'm in. I'm, I'm watching all of this. Getting fully involved." And it's like, we can't lie to ourselves, man. We're always going to fucking watch it, aren't we? It's, it's always going to be done. It's Never kind of just- layers, like levels of self delusion, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. At first you're like, "I'm not going to watch it. Like, I'm, I'm not watching. I'm not even going to turn it on." Yeah. And then, and then next is well, I don't care. Like I don't care. It's City. Of course, they're going to smash us. And then suddenly, like fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, I think Jack was talking about it on his podcast. Actually, it's when, in particular, these games against Man City, um, when you get like the Arsenal implications of it, and then when the game actually mm. comes, it's like, do you know what? In the week, we're saying, do you know, what? I don't actually care if we lose because Arsenal, you know, will then be closer to. Yeah, Man we City. need we need City to get the extra points. Blah yeah, blah blah. It doesn't matter. Off, yeah, like, I just need Tottenham to win this game now. Like I remember last week, we went two 0 up against them. I was like, do you know what? Fuck it, let's just win it. Also on the on the Pep thing, just really quickly, he also called us the Harry Kane team, didn't he? Quite quite famously, and um, it's haunted him ever since. Yeah, I think he genuinely regrets it as well. Mm. <laughs> he said that this week because he um he said that he basically was asked about it again he said oh i don't <laughs> want to call them the uh the sun team i'm not gonna say it um so yeah it was quite funny that he sort of went back to that i love that i love that he's got like in a way i sort of that is like the tiniest bit of like spurs about him which is that he like made this like pointless off the cuff comment that we all like seized about and then it and then it has returned to haunt him like many 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 times like that doesn't happen to people that are not us 
And also on Pep, it was quite cool to see him um, being genuinely like enthusiastic about us before a game. It doesn't happen for a very long time. He's probably looked at our teams over the last four years and hated every second of it because um, we're like the the opposite of what he does. And now we're, we're kind of similar kind of thing. Um, he seems to like genuinely like Tottenham. And he said he watched our Aston Villa game and thought we were amazing and can't believe we didn't win it. Um, and obviously he's a massive fan of Postacoglu. So yeah, it's been, that was a good side to see of Pep. It's actually maybe, it's, it's actually maybe warmed Pep a little bit more than I did before. I do quite like my favorite thing that he said though after that when they asked him about like the mad refereeing decision and he was like I'm not gonna like make a Mikel Arteta comment after that I was like I'm all I'm all in on you Pep haven't loved you this much since like Barcelona days and there's some weird other stats as well right like so two of La Celso's three Premier League goals have been against Man City, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kulisewski has never not played there and scored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Luka three Luka's goals, three years. Yeah, Asana's Asana what, like ten or something like that? I guess it's like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They love it. They love, love, love going there, and it is uh, absolutely amazing. The first half, though, quite a tough watch. Yeah, it was man. Like we, it was. I think the first half was everything that we thought the game was going to be. And um, they absolutely battered us and had a few clear chances. Um, obviously, we got the first goal that was cancelled out straight away. But after that, I mean, that Harlem miss was mad. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't very enjoyable. But then I thought, this is what you you kind of see from what the players are talking about afterwards. In particular, I think Andrew must have gone mental at them at half time. This um, the second half, I thought we were really good. To be fair, yeah, we were amazing. I think there were quotes saying that Ange went mad at them right at halftime. Yeah, he, he went mad and he also said, whatever you do from here on in, it's on me. Like I don't really care if you mess it up. I'll take the criticism for it, which I think is fucking brilliant. And I honestly could not love the man any more than, I, you know, every single week I seem to be building on layers and layers of love. Um, but yeah, just when you hear those quotes of the players and the way the players talk about what he says at halftime and stuff like that, it's just I can't really believe this guy's our manager, man. What this is fucking the best. A quick aside, actually, before we get into talking about the players, and especially because those like Kulisevsky quotes today, just like honestly, my heart like expands reading them. Um, do because Ollie asked me this earlier. Do you feel like you love Ange more than you? Like it doesn't have to be a competition, but it is a competition. Do you feel like you love Ange more than you loved Pochettino? Everyone's it's an like, easy mm. question for me. It is, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm more, ex- more excited now than I was at this point in the Pochettino era. Um, I think the, I think it's really difficult to judge like a few, few, few games into it. But I, I'm yeah, we're literally uh, like what 14 yeah. games in. Yeah. I, I, what I am sure is that by the end of Postecoglou's time, I, he will be my favorite ever manager, um, mm-hmm. almost without doubt. I think. Yeah, I think that's it. The sort of like for like. Yeah, where where we are now with him and where we were with Pochettino, like there isn't like it obviously is much more intense with Ange. But... I think the one thing that he has on Pochettino is he is probably the best talker of any manager I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen a manager speak for a football fan as much as he does, and I don't think there's anyone in the world that does as good as that. Um, like yeah, I just hang off his every word, and he says things that I just like sums up everything that I think about football every single time. So, like the Pochettino was a special special time, but. I've never seen a manager that sort of encapsulates this experience of being a fan of a football team more than Postacoglu. Yeah, you can't um, fault the honesty, can you? I think that's the main thing with him. He just like he's he he's so honest and says absolutely says what he thinks. There's no sort of um, 
you know, after years of Mourinho and Conte um, just talking nonsense in press conferences or kind of trying to... Even like nonsense. funny nonsense, because I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed a Jose conference. Yeah, and Poch, has, Poch come up with some weird stuff quite a lot of the time as well. <laughs> Half the time, you kind of, obviously English not his first language, so it's understandable. But he didn't really understand what he was saying half the time. Like he did come up with some really weird quotes at times. As well. We were all just like, um, "Yeah, he's our guy." Yeah, which Ange just never does. He's like so incredibly concise with everything that he says. I've, I've never seen a, a better speaker in football. And when you listen to what the, the players are saying about him today. And Madison, I don't know if you've seen the new thing that just literally came out today. Madison and Ben Foster. Madison's oh, the the prime thing. Yeah, and Madison's yeah. talking about the speeches that Postecoglou does, and it's just like he can't he can't stop like being engaged in it. Like he's never seen, and he's never had a speaker in his life where he's just like so he can't look away from it. I'd love to see some of these speeches, man. God, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Let's okay, let's talk about this then, actually, because obviously. In the build-up to this game, it was all, is Ange going to change his style? Like, he obviously isn't. Why do people keep asking this? You could, like, it's just kind of a conversation for the sake of having a conversation. It's nonsense. Um, but then on top of that, and he even kind of answered that himself. He was like, like, mate, what do you think? End of discussion. But then obviously on top of that, there has to be the whole, like, naive um commentary which i think even like happened in the midst of while we were putting our best move of the match together <laughs> upset point from neville and carragher but at this point i put it to you guys is the actual definition of naive like questioning and postacoglu's methods yeah but what i would say we just talked that's not the answer i wanted tom <laughs> Sorry, we did talk, just talk about the first half and i think mm-hmm. starting brian hill just wasn't the best idea, was it? Um, I'd have rather he'd started with a third centre mid. Obviously, Hoybier came on at half time. I think here Brian did have an involvement in the in the goal. He kind of had the pre pre assist or something. He did, and he was. I, I will say him. this: I watched it again. He was extraordinarily courageous. I have to say, in that moment, like bringing it out, like he could have got himself because he's quite. He's still quite far back in our half. He's in his own and, box. He turns right. into the box. Is he actually still in our box? Jesus. He turns, takes the ball into the box and then turns out of it and in the process loses four players mm-hmm. to play Kulisevsky in. It's insane. Yeah. It's, it's so high risk. And and it's it's what, like, obviously a big thing to say, but it's, it's exactly what Madison would have done. Yeah. Um, but he was pretty bad against Villa as well. So I think also seeing him, seeing him start, um, against City, I didn't love, but but you know things worked out, and the change that that change at half time was obviously huge, and the bollocking as as we were saying. Yeah, because I think some of that is not just about the personnel; it's obviously about the mentality, isn't it? Because like he made the necessary change, but that's also that's that's a change that Ange has made before. Like he's brought on um, Hoybier like quite often, and sort of later, usually a little bit later, but he still kind of brought th- brought him on to kind of calm the game down and to get a bit more control. Um, but I think a lot of that was because everybody was quite chaotic in the first half and quite like we looked a bit frightened. And yeah, that's what I he think, doesn't um, want. I think in answer to your original question, I think it's a, a disgrace to be honest. Some of the stuff that is being said um, by people like Gary Neville. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about Ange as if he's like Ryan Mason, just because he's in the Premier League for the first time. This guy's been manager for like 25 plus years. Um, he's been a manager a long, you know, 
I think he's one of the you know the longest managerial careers in the Premier League if, behind the second behind Roy Hodgson. Um, and to call someone like that naive is just an absolute sort of like Prem centric uh, lens of viewing football. This guy's you know, done more league games than anyone else in the league by Roy Hodgson. So calling him naive is just ridiculous, to be honest. Obviously, he knows how to play against Man City. He knows what Man City are. He's got more experience than any of these managers in the Premier League, mostly put together. Um, I think it's a disgrace, to be honest. And one of the most disappointing things that I found about yesterday is that some of our, even our own fans, are starting to like, we're starting to do it. And I feel like rival fans are going to be doing this all season because I think they're genuinely worried about what we're going to do under Ange. I think you expect it from Arsenal fans. You expect it from people like Gary Neville because they wish they would do it at Man United. Um, if I ask the fans, you know, you expect it from being a rival. That's what rival fans are supposed to do to each other. But our own fans, man, if we can't get behind this guy and throw everything at it, then what are we really doing here, man? Because this guy, he's for me, he's just everything that we've wanted as a football manager. He plays football in exactly the way that it should be played, attacking. We've suffered four or five years of dreadful football. Um, we're going to play football every game. We're going to try and score as many goals as possible. We're never going to give up. And as fans, we've just got to get on board with it, man. We're never going to get this opportunity again. This is back it. And it disappoints me after like three games in insane injury circumstances. He had a, a, I know so, a social media you know, drives him mad, doesn't it? Like it's a really weird window into into people that are really weird often. But um, I just I felt disappointed that some of our own fans were sort of were getting behind that rival thing and calling him like naive and saying, "What's he doing here, man?" Because you just got to trust it. And look what happened when he did. I think so much of that media noise as well is ignoring the injury crisis, right? Yeah, it is. It's fucking infuriating. I felt like on on Sky they were barely talking about it during the City game. And I'm like, and I think even the Guardian, that very good Barney Renee piece said something like six people out. I'm like, we've got 12 people out or something insane. It's it's almost half our entire squad. And if you take out like the kids... And the fact that you like have to have three keepers, like it's basically half our squad. It's even, completely insane. Even going to the Etihad without our playmaker and our two centre backs, like you know, if that was another team, everyone would be pointing that out. I swear, no one's been talking about our injuries. Yeah, and when you mentioned Barney Rona, the, the piss that article boiled is, is mad. Like people just can't accept that this guy is just doing a really good job. And mental circumstances, we just got a point versus the best side in the world by playing Emerson Royale and Davis at centre back, and we took the game to them in the second half. And no one does it against Man City. And like, I just don't. As fans, we've just got to throw everything behind this guy. Like, this is not going to happen to us again. And also, I think the idea that somehow we like Andrew's playing two fullbacks for like fun. Yeah, he's like uh, fucking mad. That we literally, but at this point, we didn't even we didn't have any central defenders. Because like Dyer was it like Dyer, Dyer was injured anyway, right? And then Phillips, Ashley Phillips, yeah, yeah. So and you know you can argue that's like a bigger problem with the club and like a, a prob- like a serious dereliction of duty to let us go into the season without any like centre back cover. But that's not on Ange at this point in time. He's not having like a laugh, just being like, I'm just going to like muck around with fullbacks and just for fun, just to see how it works. And I thought they were. I thought those guys did really well, actually. Yeah, they did. And um, and I think in general, I think this weird period that we've had—three losses and a draw—if anything, it's made me more sure that Ange is the right manager for us than um, the period when we won ten games. Um, I just think like if you take away the results of the games and you watch the games in isolation, like the amount of progress that's been made with a pretty much C-string team, he's managed to get a, a team of players with all of our best players injured and a C-sting, and he's managed to get them playing um, Ange Ball in like four games. This guy is a miracle worker, man. He's an absolute miracle worker. 
I totally agree. And he made that point himself. Sorry, Tom, I will let you speak in a second. But just that um, City missed missed all of those chances in the first half, right? Fine. They absolutely, like we could have been like, you know, 4-1 down by half time, right? But we weren't because they missed chances. And Ange made the point himself that that is what happened to us last week at Villa, against Villa. Like if we'd taken all of our chances, we'd have been 4 it up at half time. But we didn't. And then you're not in control of the game. And then things can happen to you. This exact same scenario. I think on Billy's point as well, what um, and Rosa, when you asked Poch versus Ange, I think what's extra sweet is at the start of the season, no one expected this guy to do anything. Like the stick that I was getting from oh, half people were saying as well. The, the the stick that I was getting from from other fans about you know, oh, he did a right in Japan and Scotland, did he? And like you're saying, Billy, like he's the after Hodgson, he's managed more than anyone else. And there's some really young managers in the league. Um, you know, who haven't been managing that long. And yeah, it's it's extra sweet that no one expected him to do at anything. And if you do compare it to Pochettino as well, like we are m- miles ahead of schedule compared to what we were in that era. Like we were pretty dreadful for a, a good half season. Um, and he almost got sacked, in fact. And like, and just in, I, I, and this is what Barney Rona was saying in his article. And I, it seems to annoy every single rival fan. I've never seen a manager have a, this quick an impact on a Premier League team. Um, in these circumstances, it's just not happened. Like he's transformed a team in 15 games. It's been mad. And completely transformed the club. I think what, what were you saying before, Billy, that the, how, how far Angel's come in such a short period of time. I think one of the most telling things was from the stands, at least uh, the other night, having Davies and Emerson at center back against the best side in the world. And, Emerson was having most of his troubles on the ball, obviously making a few odd silly mistakes. But I think what was, again, a, a, a true testament of how far we've come is that we didn't revert back to Conte ball and like hoofing it away or making rash clearances. Like the guy was making mistakes, but he kept his head uh, and he continued to try and play, you know, the edge ball pass and, and retain the ball and try and recycle it. And it wasn't working every time. Playing against the best side in the world out of position but he's, he kept on trying it and he kept on trying it They because they believe in what they're doing. Um, and yeah, like you say, I think the fans just have to do it as well. He's obviously, he wouldn't choose to be playing centre-back up against Haaland uh, at the Etihad, I don't think. I'm pretty sure he'd much prefer to be playing right back, but he's still trying to do a job. Um, and I think he did, did a pretty darn good job at that. In a way, yeah. I feel like Emerson would kind of love that, actually. I feel like he, he likes to, to believe he's the man for the big occasion. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I do. I think you're absolutely spot on, Sam. Like when, because if, if you think about a normal play, you probably get caught in position once, and then from then on, he's going to shit himself. Boot it up. Yeah, back to basics. We've, like many, many, we've seen years and years over the last few years, people like you know Hugo Lloris, Eric Dyer, just hoofing out into touch. But um, like he just kept going, and he he kept making mistakes, and he just still kept going. And this obviously goes back to the famous Ange story about when he, his Brisbane team conceded three goals from three mistakes. But that's when he knew that he had them. And I think it's really, really clear that in every single team that he's played, going from our original first eleven to now our second, third string, he's got all the players on board. Um, and I think he's learned that from this, this this rough period. It's extraordinary, isn't it? I feel like something sort of weirdly mystical is happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, because. Because obviously the Wolves game was sort of the one outlier when, and, you know, part of that was not having any time to prepare after the sort of horror of Chelsea. Um, 
and then after that it's just like no now we, we go back to what we're doing this is what I'm doing and we played really brilliantly against Villa and now this against City and that sort of mystique that he has kind of created around this whole like when that you know when we were kind of losing 3-0 and that's when I knew I had them and it's like it sounds like bullshit right but it isn't yeah and I think this point is absolutely massive for it because he's, he actually spoke about this himself. He always says, the, the thing is with these periods is if you stick to what you're doing and come out the other side of them, it shows that what happens works. And if we'd have lost yesterday, it'd have been like, right, we've lost against Chelsea. We're going to go try something different. That doesn't work. Okay, we're going to try something different again at Aston Villa. That's not what we've lost. We're going to try it again. Let's keep going though. We'll go against Man City. That's not what we've lost. But now it's like, do you know what? If you do stick with me, you're going to get a point against the best team in the world. It is going to work. And I think no one can really doubt it anymore. Like it's, we've been unbeaten against Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man United playing this way um, in fifteen games, and it's just going to work. We just have to stick with it. And then that kind of leads on to individual players, doesn't it? I mean, you like you've mentioned Emerson, who he's somehow and just turned into a centre back. Uh, like he's working miracles, and the I mean the other one, like clearly Kulu is. It, like without Madison, he's played a blinder by moving Kulu into the middle. Um, and then, yeah, Giovanni Lacelso, who we all, you know, I, I apologize for everything I've ever thought and said about him, but no one expected much from him, did we? Like, this I'm really season. glad you're, you're, you're taking this one for the team, Tom. <laughs> 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 Any words, yeah. Rosa? Any words? <laughs> I'm going to let Tom finish first. Yeah. Formal apology from me, but yeah, you know, Angie's working miracles on a player-to-player level, isn't he? Because, yeah, we weren't expecting anything from him. And fucking hell, he's been so good the last few, couple of games. Like, so, so good. He was. I felt really bad for him when we lost to Villa because he was brilliant in that game. Um, and yeah, again, so good. So amazing understanding with the team considering he's been not only out of the team but literally not at the club for however long yeah I mean I also have to make my apologies and like I've like I've always said I don't mind looking stupid if it benefits my football team not a problem um what like I will say this for him man like when he scores like he fucking scores doesn't he like like hits oh, the ball so good hard yeah. But also, and like I said, I was watching a lot of this on my phone, so I couldn't really tell like who was who a lot of the time. But to me, it seemed like he was a very calm, assured presence in the midfield. And that is something that I think, I mean, we discussed this a bit last week, um, where without Madison to kind of control things, we look a bit more chaotic. But actually, I think playing at that sort of level. And I now actually think there are like, like Lacelso could go up several levels as well because this is only what he's only been in the team like three games now, right? So who knows like where his ceiling is. Like he, he to me, seems like he also brings a calmness. Like that confidence to take on that shot, I thought, to like kind of shift and make the space for himself in the midst of all of that kind of chaos, really. Yeah, and... um I think he had 100% pass completion yesterday, which is mad. Yeah. Um, that, I think that, that goal in particular sums up everything that we've just been talking about because it came from a Ben Davis header 
and a son flip. I thought Son was unbelievably good yesterday. I, I watched a compilation of him, and I think it was really doing a lot of underrated stuff yesterday. I think it's one of his best performances of the season. Um, I know he scored a goal, but his all round play yesterday was outstanding. Um, you know, sometimes he's been drifting in and out of games lately, but yesterday he was brilliant. Flick on from Son, then just a, a finish from Gio. Like it's just been, it just like epitomizes this sort of new team that we've seen. And it's crazy that we've had to like reinvent our team three times in like the space of four weeks or whatever. Yeah, and it's just like all the new parts of it was, were working together finally. Yeah, special, special shout out to that header from GB. Watched that really, several times. Was, magnificent. Fancy would have been through on goal. If it wasn't yeah. <laughs> but it's also just a, like a magnificent piece of defending, like, but like turned into an attack, but with a header. Like, honestly, like again, Ange is working mi- miracles. Sam, have I extolled GLC's virtues enough for you? Yeah, yeah, we, we can hear it again uh, on Thursday night. God, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's obviously earned his starting place. Um, Kulu, though, king of the deck he had, as uh, Spurs official admin called it, which I fucking loved. Um, I love him so much. I'm like, honestly, the timing of. His, you know, I feel like he's kind of started slowly this season, but like he's come into peak form at exactly the right time, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly the same. Like, I just, I don't want to say the doubts creep crept in, but I, in the back of your mind, you're thinking he hasn't, he hasn't. When he first joined, he was unbelievable, like absolutely unbelievable player, and he kind of had a lot of injuries last season, bit hit and miss, scored a few goals, did a few assists. This season, he, he started pretty well. Again, a couple of goals here and there. But the last three or four games, he's been absolutely unbelievable. And now he's looking like our best player at the moment. And yeah, I just feel like the way that he's gone from being a winger to an incredible midfielder has just been so needed for us. Because, you know, when you look at those Benton, Kerr, Madison injuries, you're thinking, fuck, how the fuck are we going to get out of this now? We've got two of our best players injured. And like, again, man just found a way. And Kudosevsky's found a way. His header at the end is so spectacular as well. Um, he just kind of like runs into the box from nowhere and just like powers it. Like just dunking on somebody. Mm-hmm. He absolutely bodies Ake. Um, Ake's a big boy as well. Yeah, but he like sneaks up behind him and, and Ake's just like, what the fuck, where did you I've come from? Ake that's like basically doing a headstand and Deke's uh, um, just... Yeah, ends up lying on top of him, just watching the ball go in the back of the net. Phenomenal. That goal um, has been uh, two iconic shoulder goals from Lorente and now Decky. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the shoulder. Would someone call us like body parts yeah. FC? <laughs> like, the same ends, same result. Brilliant. So his work, perfect. His work rate is crazy, right? Because you were looking, you were watching that game thinking, how knackered are they all? This is like a seriously tiring game. He made a few subs. Obviously, Skip came on, Skippy, as uh, Ange and everyone seems to call him. Um, yeah, Skippy came on. And then you're sort of watching those wingers and the, the attackers thinking, God, how knackered are you? Are you still able to attack? And Kulu still had so much energy towards the end of the game. It was crazy. He was still making amazing runs. So, like, good on him. He didn't stop all game, did he? Like Billy said, he's been our best player recently. Yeah, my worry is, and I, I think this will probably lead quite nicely into West Ham preview, is that if you look at the team at the, that started, like Brian Hill is probably the weak link at the moment. And you've got that difficult decision now. Like, do we sacrifice putting 
Kuliseski and Johnson on the wings because Gill is a weak point and then not how I think at the moment I personally feel like you can't drop Kuliseski at midfield at the moment. Like he's that he's he's just like in the last few games he's just showing that he has to play there now. Um and I just think I think that's why Ange played Gill as well. Like, I think that's the only reason. It's because Kuliseski is such a brilliant midfielder now. It sort of leaves us with without being able to play him on the wings and then you, know, you sort of Gill has to come in. And then I guess maybe Richarlison I don't think he's gonna be fit enough by the sounds of things, but I guess long term maybe Richarlison will be on the left, but he's, yeah. Can me, you can Brennan play on the right as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's kind of like, I I don't see him as a winger anymore. He's 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 brilliant in the middle. But he did then go back out onto the wing, yeah. and then we, that's how he's we, he looked really yeah. good there as well. It's a really tough one. I don't know what to do. I know. I sort Pretty of cool. on a sort of personal level, I feel like he deserves to play where he wants to play. He loves the middle, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, we're on those decisions as well. Quick shout for Brennan because mm-hmm. he he was brilliant um, second half, especially, and his um, cross for Kulu's header was ridiculously good. He like and again talking work rate, speed, beating a man, getting in behind. He's Brennan is so so good at it, isn't he? And he's just at the beginning. He's so young. He's at the beginning of his career. And, like we've got so much more to see from him, right? And there was one and specifically think, beating Carl Walker. Yeah. Like yeah. in the ninth minute, having that like speed and strength and like commitment to go past him and then to deliver that perfect cross. And there was one in the first half, Poro, but it's an insane ball over top. And Brennan ran onto it. I, I think he might beat um, Quadio, maybe. And he's in behind and he puts this insane cross in. And fucking Ruben Diaz has this insane clearance to stop it going from like a certain goal to Son. But that was an unbelievable bit of play. He absolutely rinsed, I think it was Guardio, um, absolutely rinsed him, putting an incredible cross in. Like he could have had a, f- a few assists in that game. He just looks, he's basically perfect for running in behind, um, which I think is why Andrew's like insisted on buying him. Yeah, it's going to be so good. Like with him. Him, Madison, son, all of that, man. It's going to be absolutely magnificent. One last thing I do want to say about Kulu is I am completely obsessed with everything he now says after games. I think it's quite weird because I didn't like expect him to be the guy who would like embody Ange Ball and like the Ange philosophy. But like everything he says, I now I feel like I need to like make a little sort of book of Kulu's motivational quotes because he's just like, I love Ange. I love the way we play. Like, don't like play with no fear just go out there if you make a mistake it doesn't matter because you like played with like with your heart basically just magical magical stuff um yeah, I, think, I think it speaks a lot to Ange and I've been thinking about that today actually when seeing those quotes because a lot of those players are probably signed of like if not for Conte at least with the guarantee that Conte is coming soon like you've got like Romero uh Kulisewski, Poro and all these players that probably rare, barely even heard of Ange you, you have to admit that when he probably signs a few of those players are thinking, I'm probably not going to stick around for this that long. I've just bought a manager from Celtic. I have no idea who he is. And all, every single one of those that I've just mentioned is absolutely in love with Ange. And I think that speaks to volumes about the man that Ange is. Like Romero seems never been happier at Tottenham. Poro was talking about him in an interview, Kulisewski. And these guys, are, they're not, you know, they're not people that come from, you know, like England, English, English speaking countries, but they've managed to fall in love with this manager as well. And we've got Romero back for Thursday which leads us very nicely into it. Um, I was quite, again, quite scared about our upcoming game against West Ham, like before the City game. Now I'm absolutely buzzing. Can't fucking wait. We're all going, right? Yep. Very, yeah, really excited to get there. Thursday night, under the lights, local rivals. Special one for you, Tom. 
especially for me. You know, <laughs> me you know I've got so many West Ham mates. Um, you know, shout out my North Essex Spurs fans because um, the West Ham rivalry, or uh, in fact, all of Essex, but yeah, the West Ham rivalry is is big, as big as Arsenal, really, for a lot of um, a lot of Essex fans. And um, yeah, I'm really glad they drew at the weekend as well. My my biggest fear was that they were going to win, we were going to lose, and they could have gone level with us on points by beating us on Thursday. Um, but yeah, they're not going to beat us on Thursday. We are, are going to smash them. It's going to be a great atmosphere. And I really think um, we're due, surely we're due a big win at home now. And also they, Antonio's out, right? Yep. yep. So I, I feel like Bowen's like maybe out. I don't know. Oh, really? I mean, I've got him in my fancy football team. He's always orange. So I don't know if he's actually. <laughs> uh, are we like Antonio's always been my sort of biggest worry? Are there players we feel like we should be like super worried about? They've got Kudus, is a really good player. Um, mm-hmm. and Bowen, and that's about it. They've got their, their shit, otherwise. <laughs> I, I follow a few West Ham fans. And they're all really moaning about Moyes at the moment. Like they're really pissed off. Um, I think they're just done with it now. He's won a trophy, yeah. played horrific football for like five years. I think they're just done with it. I saw them really moaning at the weekend that they drew against Palace at home and just played dreadful football. I think they've just done with it all. Those are two teams who like can't wait to get rid of their managers, right? <laughs> Misery. They're just going to live off of set pieces against us. That's all they've got. That's so, like we're, we don't have the at the moment and I think it's quite telling that every um every corner we saw Bernardo Silva swing in uh at the weekend was just like straight on top of Vicario's head he came out and dealt with most of them but I think yeah at the moment we're struggling with height and an aerial dominance last thing I want to see is Thomas Suchek run to the near post for God's sake but yeah, I think we, we'll to, we can't give away fouls on Thursday because that's their only way of scoring um, well, uh, Billy, I'm afraid Romero's back. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do give away a lot of fouls. I was noticing that we like you, doggy, got booked. Like we do give away quite a lot of stupid fouls. I have noticed that lately. We've, we really can't be doing that on Thursday because they will. They have like seven players that are like seven foot. They'll just absolutely batter us in the box. Also, we didn't really mention Basuma, but he will be out every sixth game, won't he? Because uh, he does get a yellow card every game, and he wasn't. He hasn't been on amazing form the last few games. I I reckon it might just be down to the fact that he just needs Saar, like we all do. I think we need Saar back in our lives. Um, Basuma's feeling that as well. Let's get Saar back in our lives. Is Saar, he, but he's not going to be back, is he? We don't even know. Is this like is this becoming one of those weird mystery Tottenham ailments where we don't yeah. really know what's happening? And and said he'll be back after Richard. The way that they were talking about Richardson, that he wasn't going to be back for next year, then he's randomly just back overnight. Um, and Anne said Saar's a bit further behind, so maybe I don't know. I really hope he's back for one of the two games that we've got coming up. They're both really difficult games. Yeah. Always- I mean, the other thing is that so is that Basuma has has had quite a sort of stop start experience lately, where he's been kind of he was like suspended, and then I don't know. I just feel like it's been slightly up and down for him. Yeah, I mean, in and out. In the mid, we've had a different player in every every game, haven't we? It's been so disjointed. But yeah, am I right in thinking all we've got is Romero back and then presumably Richarlison ready for more minutes than he played against City? I think Ange already Ange said before City he was good for five or ten minutes and that's what he played him for, right? Yeah, and I think there is a there's a chance I'll be back as well, a chance. And the rest we're not going to see for a while. 
Um, it's all right though because we have got our like newest debutant, James Jamie Donnelly. That was very sweet. I feel like we forgot to give him a shout out because, and they didn't really make anything of it either during the game. But like afterwards, it was really nice. I just watched this like very sweet interview of him where he seems like incredibly young and nervous and does that classic like I'm really pleased to make my debut but you know it's all about the team good result good result bless him I'm just des- are you with her? sorry I'm just desperate for us to go two or three up against a team who don't look like they're going to do anything and he gets a nice kind of 25 30 minutes in a game that'd be so yeah, lovely so, imagine you're like 19 and you've been dreaming about this moment and then you're like randomly on the pitch of like Harland and Grealish. <laughs> uh, what a game to me. Great David. photo of him winning a header against Harland as well. Yeah. You'll have that. that is yeah. One of those things you, you, you have to dream about, don't you? Like your dream, your debut being your first game is against Pep Guardiola, like the best manager to ever live. What do we think the lineup's going to be then? Um, Sam, you go first. Uh, same again. And then I think Emerson will probably sit it out for an error. So you think so, so you think Brian will start? Yeah. Okay. I think he's going to persist with him. He's had he's started two games. I think Ange likes him. Um, and it's a very – West Ham are going to sit deep. He's going to have space to receive the ball and turn opposed to, um, you know, being on the halfway line. He was totally isolated, I think. It was, it was a tough, tough game for him at the weekend. Um, I, I think he showed enough to, to keep his spot. I'm probably like the 1% in this first fan base. I don't mind Brian, to be honest. And I also will, like, I do remember, like, the last time he played really well. And obviously not like they're the same team, but they are quite similar teams. He played really, really well against Palace last season. Because obviously I'm thinking, oh, you know, he'll just get, like, knocked over by their giant players. But maybe not. Maybe not. Tom, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think so. Initially, you heard me sort of uh, have a bit of a moan about Brian, but you've kind of talked me round. And I think particularly what Billy said about um, uh, Decky having to kind of stay in the middle, given how well he's been playing there. Um, and there's kind of no, potentially you could kind of mess with the fullbacks a bit, but there's no other options there, are there? You've got to kind of keep Adogi and, and Porro there given that we've got no wingers. Um, so, yeah, all right, same same team again. I thought Brian had his moments against Villa um, at home. He A lot of the balls were going through him and he um, uh, he made some nice runs. So, yeah, like, same team again. I think what's really frustrating is he does. He also had some brilliant moments against City, but just like it didn't quite... You just kept thinking if, that, if you're in like the right place, but like you just haven't quite hit that right or you've hit it right, but you're not in the right place. Do you know what I mean? There's always, there's a few moments where if it, you're thinking if, if that had just been a slightly better player, we'd have scored more goals. I realised um, that I said same team again, but obviously I, I mean Romero straight back in. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if Andrew's just like, no, you're just, you're, you're sitting this one out. One thing I will say actually is um, I think like I'm not, despite the fact that I like, criticised Romero Lowe's last season. I'm not at all mad like at him for that red card really anymore. I just think it was done. He's suffered. We got through it. Like, let's move on. Like I've heard some people being like, oh, he needed to be punished, blah, blah, blah. But I don't really care. Like we're ready to have him back. We need him. Billy, what's your lineup? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be the same. Same. Just Romero will come in. Um, 
I think that'll be the team. And um, yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think it might be one of those things that we look back on in like two or three years' time, where if we hadn't gone through this like rough patch that Romero basically caused, then we wouldn't have, like, Andrew would have learned a lot about some of these other players that he's learned in this, in this bad spell. So it might be one of those things where the universe sort of needed it to happen. So yeah, I agree. I'm not really angry with Romero. Um, and also, if you try and coach that out of Romero, you're going to lose Romero completely. So yeah, that's, that's the thing. You just have to live with that side of him. He's going to do that every now and then. He's also going to the other like five games in a row where he's going to be the best friend on the pitch. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. And also, like looking at sort of some of the other like red cards, like not given. Skip, I, I would think say the one he's on also Skip like was, massively unlucky. Ron Skip was worse, I reckon. That was awful <laughs> yesterday, man. And yeah. There's, a, there's been a few lately that has been no worse than Romero. Worse than Romero, sorry. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a weird red card. But also, if you, it turns out like if you kick Oliver Skip, it like it literally doesn't matter. You can just do whatever you like, and like nothing's going to happen. <laughs> kick him in the head, whatever. People are just like, it's fine. It's it doesn't matter. Um, do we want to do predictions? Go for it. Go for it, Billy. If you're ready. Uh, I think we're going to win 4-0. Wow. Big, big, big shout. 4-0. Sam? 3-1. 3-1. Yes. I will say 3-2 Tottenham because of the aforesaid height set-piece issue. But I think we will have too much for them in attack. And I also think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely amazing. Tom, you can just give me a win if you like. No, no, I'll, I'll go three-one as well. I feel like okay, we'll, nice. beat, we'll beat them by uh, two goals, but it, like they'll just score just to annoy me. Yeah, and it'll be a, like a really annoying point in the game. I meant to say something earlier, and I'm sorry, this is absolutely the wrong section to say it in. But um, remember how we all said Sonny lost his pace? Oh my god, I'm so glad you said this. Yes, um, pretty. Totally out sprinted Doku, who's like the quickest player in the league. Um, it was quite amazing just watching that back. Him and Brennan just like going hell for leather, leaving Doku, uh, yeah, in their dust. Um, and that's all I have to say on that. But I thought it was a good point because he has not lost his pace. It is a brilliant point. And I thought, I thought the exact same thing when I was watching the goals back earlier. It was like we were worried. Because of like age yeah. and injuries and all the rest of it, but like he's just as he's the he's still got it basically. Yeah, phenomenal yeah. player, phenomenal performance. Um, I am so excited to be there on Thursday. I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I was ready to lose, and I wasn't like, oh god, four losses in a row is going to be terrible. Like, I didn't think it was going to kind of drag us down or anything. I was like fully prepared to take it. And move on. We, you know, we move, we learn, we grow, all of the rest of it. But it feels really good to have not lost and to have drawn, but like also to have drawn in that fashion by scoring three goals, which that doesn't happen to City very often. So I feel like everyone's going to be so, so, so pumped for the game on Thursday. Um, I will give, before we move on to culture, I'll give you guys a quick Spurs women update. Um, we're down quite bad. Uh, we don't really have a. I think like our entire first choice midfield seems to be out right now. Um, that's not great news. Um, and we've got Manchester United at home on a Sunday evening. So I'm a little bit more scared about that than I would have been otherwise. But the good news is Bethany England is 
if not back fully, she has like played a game. Like they played a, like behind closed doors friendly against Gibraltar the other day that she was in. So in my mind, she's going to be back for the North London Derby, but that is actually just in two weeks. <laughs> so I might be overstating it a little bit. But um, yeah, we we move, we hope and all the rest of it um let's move on to culture guys um tom what have you got for me this week good question uh i've been watching the curse oh i've watched the first two episodes of nathan field as the curse which is the most insane thing on tv billy have you started it no i haven't started it because it, i i mean i don't want to i'm gonna just say it anyway i do have a, a fire stick iptv and it, it's not on there it's really fucking annoying um, I have every illegal movie and TV show you can imagine, but the curse is not on there, so I'm, I'm waiting for it to come on. Man. I'm even itching. Um, Emma, really Stone, good. Emma Stone is incredible in it. Um, the the premise is pretty mad, and it's kind and it's kind of his first drama, Nathan Fielder, and it's with one of the Safties who did Uncut Gems, Uncut Gems. Uh, are they but, both like producing it? Are they both like are they creators as well? It's not just a Safdie acting. No, they they co-wrote and and make it, and then he Safty is also in it, and Nathan Field is in it. This sounds like two people who like making incredibly uncomfortable television, making it's, like the most extreme uncomfortable experience. Oh yeah, it's the the most extremely uncomfortable thing. Would I die watching it? Yeah, it's okay. so so uncomfortable. I did see him go on uh, Jimmy Fallon. That was fucking brilliant. He went on yeah. with Emma Stone. It was absolutely fucking brilliant and very uncomfortable. It was so good. And as one of the reviews said, I think the Guardian review said, every episode is kind of uncomfortably long and every scene just goes on for slightly too long where you're looking at your partner like, oh, this is really hard to watch. <laughs> but it is, I think it is rewarding as well. Um, and then, oh, the other thing that I would recommend, which is super fun and much lighter, is that um, the Top of the Pops repeats that they show on BBC4 have reached 1995. Okay, oh. so um, if you are a similar age to me, 38 that is, um, and uh, in your sort of mid to late 30s, you will really love the Top of the Pops 1995s that are on unedited on um iPlayer. Lisa Ianson and Simon Mayo are presenting the who've I seen like um the Out Here Brothers, Scatman John, uh Oasis, Supergrass. Like and what it makes you realise is that there wasn't really a golden period for music. There are some terrible, terrible songs on there. Just and loads like, of them got to number one. Yeah and loads of them got to number <laughs> one. I mean, Scatman was huge the Oh God, don't put that in my head. The Out Here Brothers were huge. There's Tina Arena. Like, there's some really, there's some awful Tina Arena, amazing. Terrible Celine Dion songs. But, like, it is just so much fun if you're my sort of age. Um, and you can just fast forward through them and go, I can't even remember what this song is and and, uh, and and skip it and watch all the good bits. So, yeah, it's the total opposite of The Curse. You can kind of just skip through and really smile at it. I'd really miss Top of the Pops. It also reminds you, talking like we're near Christmas, it reminds you of the Now compilations that you got when you were a kid and mm-hmm. every fucking song. Now, every year, that was, that oh. was in the car, man. That was, that was my shit. In your stocking or whatever, you get the get the Now. Um, but also, we used to get, get like the Top of the Pops Christmas then, special. 
And then like the Christmas one was like four CDs, wasn't it? I was always in the stocking, man. That was sick. So sick. Yeah, you discover so many songs. Like, yeah. Oh, what I love song. how you guys got CDs in your stockings. This is I fancy, know, I... man. That was my main present. <laughs> I also it got some bit... stuff like, you know, no shade to my parents. I was going to say tape, but Billy, Billy's a little bit younger, so probably mm-hmm. Yeah, the old, what's the, the Sony CD player, portable CD player that like jumped every time that you went over a speed bump. That was, that was a bit <laughs> Kids these days, they don't know they're born. Um, but we did also always used to get a Top of the Pops Christmas special, which we don't get anymore, right? Always like something like weird. Really annoying how that's been. Um, the whole thing has basically been ruined by like X Factor and then like Lad Baby in recent years. I used to be, I used to dial into that fucking Christmas number one shit every year. And now it's just like, it's dead, isn't it? Like the whole thing is just dead. Yeah, I used to love it. That run of Spice Girls Christmas number ones, um, E17, obviously. with the- Christmas Machine. 1995 is also peak E17, and, you know, we'll do an E17. We still need to do our Dawson's Creek special, Rosa, but... Mm, we do. We can also do an E17 special at some point. They're from Walthamstow. They're definitely spiritually spurs. I would be down for all of those things. Um, before we move on from you, Tom, I need your um, Strictly finalist predictions. Oh, um we're down to four couples now sadly we bid farewell to Nigel and Katia too soon too soon yeah I need to, I'm really sad about Katia obviously mm-hmm. and, and, and Nigel but um yeah oh god I'm not, oh, it's so hard um I really I think it's between Bobby and Diane and uh Vito and Ellie as, as oh for the like for lot like the winners yeah because well, Leighton and Nikita while the best do not have the do not have the public vote no, and I think people. I mean, he was Billy Elliot, age ten. I know it's right? it's not his fault, and he's handled it all like very gracefully. I think, yeah. but like they shouldn't have put him on it because everyone's like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, of course, You're professional. He's gonna, of course, he's going to get You're literally a professional dancer. Yeah, he's yeah. a professional dancer. Um, uh, yeah, and I love JoJo and um, who is it? Tennis lady um, Annabelle. Annabelle, uh, they're brilliant. But I, yeah, I feel like they'll probably go this week coming right. Yeah, I think so. And that's much further than I think anybody expected her to get, including herself. Um, is that all? Anything else? That's everything for me. No, we're just we're just mourning Katia. Katia for you, Nigel for me. Well, for all of us, really. All of us. Um, Sam, what about you? Uh, not loads. Busy time of the year. Um, Christmas parties and whatnot, but... On on my nights off of the festivities, it's been uh, the boys flying through that on oh, season man, three. Tell me, tell me, man, how are you doing with that? I'm loving Fucking it. Best, right? <laughs> it's so good. I'm, I'm like sad that I'm. Where, where are you at? Like season three, a few episodes into season three. I think that's the best series of all. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's. So you've seen it's, season three, episode one of the the dick scene. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like even I know about this scene. Yeah, Ollie, that's like, probably the, that's the most I, this show's not I like audibly like shouted and grabbed my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> that's easily the most fucked up thing I've ever seen on TV. Easily, yeah. Oh, obligatory man. Tottenham Hotspur joke here. <laughs> There's been a lot of um, a lot of moments like that because I'm watching it with my partner the whole time, and then she's like, she's not fussed about the gore, but she like. I love the sort of yeah audible thrill that she gets out of it. Like she she really gives it the big oh um, when something happens. So it's it's quite entertaining watching with her as well. 
And they just um, dropped a uh, season four trailer as well, man, which you have to watch after. Cause it's yeah. Oh, yeah, result. Morgan's in it as well. It's going to be fucking unbelievable. Great. Yeah, Jeffrey D. Morgan. I was saying this to you, Bill. Like he has like a very like varied, very intense fan base. Yeah. Because he, he because he's like he was in like The Walking Dead and like some other genre show that I now can't remember. But like also like was very beloved on like Grey's Anatomy and Supernatural. So he has yeah. this whole like sort of super like intense like teen fandom and yeah, like he got, romantic he got, fandom and that but then also like very intense like genre people because when he got cast as negan like obviously that's for the comic walking dead fans that's like the character mm-hmm. everyone's like now nah, don't worry this guy's got this he's fucking brilliant and it's the same with the boys like all of his everyone's just like now that they've seen him be incredible in the walking dead be like it's gonna be unbelievable in it can't wait for season four i'm glad you enjoy on season three though man it's, it's so good. i think that's the best season personally yeah, buzzing to finish it off, but also... And you got Gen V straight after as well. That's the beauty as well, eh? Yeah, unreal. Um, but I think, yeah, other than that, it's not 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 been loads. Can I can I put a restaurant in a culture pick? Please do. Please do, yeah. Uh, Ash, is, Ash is a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. All right. Um, so, yeah, what, my buddy's been here from Berlin. We're talking to Quality Chop House. Those in London uh, might know it's in Farringdon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's some of the best hospitality that you can get in the city. It's like the most wholesome, uh, lovely place. Everyone like genuinely really gives a shit about how um, the sort of time that you're having and and that you're enjoying it all. Um, and they always go really big on Christmas as well. So if you feel like you need to have a little bit of Christmas, um, it's it's definitely the place to be. One of my favorite restaurants in London for sure. So it's nice to be back um, last week. Oh, nice. I've been past that place so many times and never been in. It's but a proper institution. Lovely. Like, yeah. it, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, the Thank nicest you. people. I've been to the one next door, the Quality quality Wines. Quality Wines, also very good. Lots of fun right. there. Because I am vegetarian. The, uh, the, the yeah, sister place, Quality Wines, has really amazing wine and the, the staff are really nice in there. Just like lovely as well. It's, 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 I'm pretty sure it's like heritage listed. So they have on the inside, they're like church pews that they've turned on each other to sort of make up the, um, I guess, the seating. Um, it's it's quite a unique space, but but very, very lovely. Been there forever. Um, yeah, go. They're good people. Amazing. I love it. I love a restaurant recommendation, even though I don't often get to go, but I like to I like to hear about it. Um, we've got um we've got a restaurant to go to next week. We do. I'm very very excited. The um <laughs> the hometown glory Christmas party. I cannot wait. Um, Billy, what have you got for us this week? Um, all my superhero shit has expired. Like the Invincible was finished, mid season Loki's finished, Gen V is finished. Um, so I was listening to the Midnight Boys, which is a podcast we reference quite a lot on this show. Me and Rosa, um, which I always recommend. But they recommended a Netflix show called Blue Eye Samurai. Um, and they were talking about it as one of the best shows of the year. It's kind of like anime, but it's American, kind of half anime, half not anime, set in Japan. And I watched the first episode, and it's honestly, I, I haven't been so locked into the first episode in a long time. It's kind of like, if you like Invincible, it's kind of similar. I'll kind of describe it a little bit like Invincible because it's it's like really, really violent and um, has a lot of adult material in there as well. And it's just fucking brilliant. I, I'm absolutely loving it. So um, I'm not, I'm not I like, I'm just sort of slowly dipping my toes into anime. Um, and it feels like they've been talking about a lot on the Midnight Boys at the moment, like the superhero era is over and mm-hmm. the anime era is coming. Um, I think the main anime is going to be the big, the next big Hollywood wave. 
by the sound of things and this is fucking brilliant so yeah blue eyes samurai which is um definitely one of the best things i've seen this year for sure i just i've only seen like three episodes but i'm so i'm i'm just watching it in like seven minute chunks whenever i get my phone i'm just i'm so so into it nice so it's time for us to do like our research on like old school anime as well right yeah if any listeners man because i'm a bit out of my league of anime so i'm just Mm -hmm. starting to get into it now um so yeah any anime recommendations hit me up because when i did tweet about watching that show loads of people must have been like oh you need to watch this as well i was like oh cool i'm gonna do all this there is like so 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 much to get um, into you'll be overwhelmed on the midnight boys they were talking about one piece which is one of the like the goat anime shows and apparently it's got a thousand episodes it's like, oh fuck no who's got time for that thousand fucking episodes man but, no, we're not doing that I love a list, Billy. Um, yeah. like end of year list. So, and I've seen that in in a few of them. Uh, yeah, it's really. It's not just. I, it's not just for like nerds like me. It's like I think this is just a fucking brilliant show. Really good show. Billy, what did you think of the um, Loki finale? I thought the Loki finale was really good. I thought mm-hmm. the Loki season two was pretty poor. Yeah, um, but they just about pulled it through the finale. Like Marvel always seem to be able to do somehow. And yeah, it seems just, it's like the equivalent of mid post credit scenes, isn't it? I like always just sort of do a thing at the end where it's like oh we know this has been quite bad but here's what's going to happen for the next five shows that we're about to do it's like all right then that's actually pretty good yeah Yeah. and i like the way like it properly referenced like actual like they went back and really referenced proper norse mythology which is yeah 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 and i i mean they've got a really good chance to do something which they really need to do which is completely fuck off Jonathan majors so um time to do it time to do it they have um and the marvels made you feel a bit sad though right uh yeah i mean uh, uh, yeah it was just again great post-credit scene um but yeah it was it was <laughs> i think they basically just if you have if you go and see that film or if you watch it on disney plus when it comes it's like 90 minutes they basically instead of reshooting all of it they've cut everything it's just like the quickest film that has ever it's the shortest film they've ever done they must have just been like we know this is shit so let's just make it really short and hope people don't really notice and uh it's, it's fine but it's just a bit disappointing which yeah. is annoying because like the the people that were annoyed at three females leading a Marvel film should not have won the war, but they end up having to won the war because it's like flops more than any Marvel film ever. Um, but it's not flop because for that, it's flop because Marvel are just like dead in the water at the moment. I think they've won this battle, but ultimately, battle. I believe we will win the war. Yeah. Um, I watched The Killer oh, yeah. over the weekend. No, I haven't spoke to you about this yet, actually. No, dude, I didn't like it. I. Because what I I just came away from it like I I will say this I'm up and down with David Fincher and I know I did not think you would like it to be honest. When no. I, yeah, I watched I it because I was like, well, what should we watch? Let's, it's like let's... men the film, isn't it? It really is. Also, <laughs> it's like I don't I understand with David Fincher. He really like he likes making films about like completely unredeemable people, like the terrible people. And I, and sometimes I'm very on board with that. Like I I liked Zodiac and Gone Girl. Um, but I'm like not here for the sort of seven, like really bleak, like nihilistic vibe. And like I un- I sort of understood the sort of tone of it, you know, like the way like you're going to cast Michael Fassbender, but you're not going to kind of let him like indulge any of his sort of charisma. You're not going to bring, you're going to make him do a, like the most monotonous voiceover. Like I, like I understand, but it's like an exhausting watch. <laughs> You know, I was like, I don't really get why you would make this movie except to make this an uncomfortable experience for everybody. Yeah. And like, I'm fine, like, I guess. My favorite thing about it is I thought it was just like hilarious. Like, I just thought it was funny that he was just like 
generally terrible at being the killer. Like he was yeah. really <laughs> like the mistakes he made. I found it fucking funny. Like just yeah, it was not what not the film I was expecting it to be, but I just found yeah. I thought it was like darkly funny. Oh, okay. I was just like I also I think he's I fucking love Michael Fassbender. I think he's fucking brilliant. Like he should have been James Bond. It's probably too late now, but mm-hmm. he's the man. He is, but I just don't think he would want to be Bond either. No. Like, like yeah, based like on this, like a, a racer for like five years or something, didn't he? Yeah. Also, this is literally like this is like a full-on like anti-Bond, and in a way, I respect that. It's kind of it is like the sort of psychotic heart of James Bond, isn't it? Like, this is what it would really be like. It wouldn't be cool. It wouldn't be sexy. It would be bleak and depressing and sad and weird. I like. So I, I like. Maybe I'm talking myself into it. I, I saw it. I, I did. It was shot beautifully, as you'd expect for David Fincher, with that sort of like chrome kind of wash on everything. Like, everything. But will he ever make a movie that doesn't fucking look like that? Though, it's everything no. so fucking cold. No. I'm like, are you just? Is your house like this, David? I have concerns. What did you guys? It reminded me how good early. What was the fucking thing with Kevin Spacey? Um, the po- po- political drama on Netflix. That was oh, like, um, House of Cards. House of Cards. It reminded me how good like early House of Cards was as well because it had that same look. Tilda Swinton was brilliant in it. Yeah. I thought. What did you guys yeah. think of the uh, the soundtrack? That's not really my. I, I love. I, Smiths, so I listened I'm, to the Smiths yeah. for like a week yeah. afterwards. Loads of the Smiths. I couldn't stop listening to them. Also, I, it's Trent. It's Trent Reznor, isn't it? Who does the yeah. music for it? Like immediately, I was like, oh, okay, we're like we're in a David Fincher movie, and I, you know, in a way, I, I like that also. I've weird. I seem to have weirdly talked myself into this movie. Yeah. Don't know why, <laughs> but ultimately, I did not enjoy the experience. But I sort of feel like that was the point. Yeah, I think that was the point also. Yeah, the, a of, googling David Fincher color grades. Yeah, it's like blue, gray, bluey, gray, like chrome yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, everything's got to make you feel like you want to put on like a million jumpers, or your like heart will stop beating. <laughs> yeah i feel a bit sick <laughs> yeah um it is not he's not a cozy dude um the other thing i watched which i thought i've got um a um movie subscription that i bought to watch like one movie and you know now i'm paying like 12 pounds a month to never watch them but um the new al modivar which I, was, I thought was a film with Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke is in fact just an extended ad for Yves Saint Laurent. <laughs> 30 minutes. It's kind of like broke back, but older guys. It looks incredible. They're great. Half an hour, but it's an ad. <laughs> so, I mean, like it's fine, but I thought it was going to be more than that. But, you know, 30 minutes, watch it, you know, yeah. could watch it in one evening. You've had a very David Fincher um period then just watching like filmmakers make adverts as well filmmakers making adverts yeah like no like emotional connection i mean i would say there was probably more emotion in that actual ad than in the entire david fincher movie i was yeah i was actually listening to talking about david fincher actually and they were talking about adverts the exact same thing apparently there's like a there's like a martin scorsese advert with timothy chamelay which is literally six seconds long <laughs> i haven't actually seen it but apparently it's worth checking out but it's, it's like and they six, probably got paid yeah so much like, fucking money for that like yeah six, apparently six seconds or something like I, yeah because i've been listening to a lot of fincher stuff ever since the killer's been out and uh and it's, i haven't really seen many of his adverts but he's like regarded as the goat so i need to go oh yeah i always forget about that does he still make like does he like do ads now in like japan or whatever is he yeah i think it? yeah because he did like the, the original apple advert didn't he and made like yeah 
shitload of money and yeah i've never really checked out his back catalogue of adverts but i've I've been listening to a lot about it recently so it's funny that you mentioned that I haven't um, seen Napoleon yet, but talking about um, advert goats, um, the Ridley Scott like promo, some of the interviews for Napoleon that Ridley Scott's given have just been incredible. Oh, he's yeah. like the French hate themselves. Another <laughs> advert, guy, isn't he? yeah, yeah, and he's like his, to, to any historians complaining about me, you weren't there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is fucking brilliant. Legend. I think there's. A, I haven't seen it either, but I think there's a shot where Napoleon fires a cannon at the pyramids, which is says everything. Yeah, I'm, I think like on. I'm a hundred percent going to watch this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Also, that and you will love this, Rosa. There is a there is an extended cut coming to Apple, which is four and a half hours long. But hasn't Ridley Scott even said that's not my cut? <laughs> Probably. Like, I think so. I think he's just like that's too long. <laughs> yeah, I w- I will not. I will not be watching that. Um. <laughs> I think we are we are done here. We've brought this in at a little bit over an hour. I'm very proud of us guys. We haven't um, really recorded it. We've not gone for four and a half hours. We have not. That's going to be our like one. You know, when when we win the when we win, I was going to say when we win the league. When we win something, anything at all, doesn't matter. Um, then it will be our fucking magnum opus. Um, very excited about Thursday. We will catch up on the other side. Billy, will you see us out? Up the Spurs.